So uh, this morning, we're, we're going to take a break, actually, from our teaching on healing uh, for something special, something that we've wanted to uh, talk about and discuss, which we'll come on to in a moment. But I do also want to reiterate, uh, there's prayer for healing. The Lord is in the room. He's mighty to save, and he's mighty to bring release and, uh, and freedom in that way. I am so encouraged. I got an email, which I only read this morning, which has cheered me up no end. Just incredible story. I've received another one, which I need to hear more about from Fiona, um, uh, about someone that's been prayed for. And I, I, like literally, I've got a list of five stories that we could have done this morning, which is really encouraging, but we don't have the time. This morning, uh, what I want us to do is, uh, is talk about generosity. And we've already begun the journey, haven't we? We've talked about that through CAP. And we realize that for some people in our community, that uh, that really is a serious, serious need. And uh, we want to help those in need. But those with resources that the Father has given, um, this is just a real encouragement to us this morning. So you're going to hear from three of us. I'm going to begin. I'm going to do just a very brief teaching from the scriptures. And then I'm going to invite up Ivan Skinner. Ivan is uh, one of our board of directors. And uh, he is going to just present to us as a church uh, just some financial figures, uh, which he's very aware of, as are all of our board. And, and if you ever want to know um, about money and about uh, how it comes in and how it's spent, and you are a member of our church or a regular giver in our church, you are more than welcome to have your eyes on that as well. So he's going to come and do that for about uh, maybe 10 minutes or so. And then I'm going to invite Brian Murr up to, um, to come and share just, just from his own personal story together with Jude uh, as a family, uh, their whole journey regarding this. So let's dive straight in. Um, about a year after ministering, uh, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. And on their return, Jesus takes them to a solitary place for a retreat. And uh, they wanted to be by themselves, but the multitudes, literally the multitudes, got a hold of them and followed them. And it's where we get this brilliant story of the feeding of the 5,000. So we're in John uh, chapter 6, and uh, we're verse 5 to 13. There they are. Let's read it through together. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, which is one of his disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one just to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had, had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over. 
by those who had eaten. This is the word of the Lord. It's given to us. It was documented and written for us, not just to tell us the most incredible story, but to actually demonstrate something um, of the kingdom, demonstrate something that as we put in the hands of Jesus that which he's already given us, his ability to multiply it and have enormous kingdom impact gives us these stories to encourage us and we give thanks to God for his word. 5,000 men equates to about 12,000 people if we added the women and the children. That's a lot of people. That's an incredible amount of people. You can imagine the multitudes that have come. And it would have cost a fortune to have fed them. In fact, there, Philip says, more than half a year's wages just so they can have a bite to eat, not necessarily a full stomach full. They were in a remote place, a solitary place, a place where I know it's really echoey. I can't do anything about that. The guys at the back are doing their very best, and maybe I need to put it there, do I? We're good to go. It's kind of brustling my chin now, but there we go. In this account, John's gospel of the story, we read that Jesus speaks directly to Philip first. And he invites him into this kingdom story just to test him. The same story can be found in the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they tell it from a very similar angle and in a slightly different way. You see, the same problem is there. They need food. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus is doing what he's doing with all of us. He invites us into the equation. He invites us to be part of the story. And he invites us to be part of the miracle that takes place. He wants to involve them. Andrew pipes up. And he says, I've managed to find this boy here who's got five loaves and two fish. But how far will that go? Jesus instructs his disciples. They sit down on the nice grass that's there in groups of 50. He takes the offering and, oh, isn't that better? Um, And he presents it before the Lord and they begin, start giving it out, feeding everyone. Afterwards, there are 12 basketfuls left over displaying the abundance more than what was enough. What do we learn? Very briefly, a few things. The boy was the one who made the sacrifice. He was the one with the picnic. He was the one who came with the food. And he was the one that presented before the Lord the sacrifice. Now here's a question. Do you think he was miffed that he had to give up his packed lunch? It's a question. It's a yes-no question. Do you think he was miffed? Maybe he was. Do you think after the miracle he was still miffed? Absolutely not. I'm sure that wee lad grew up and for years and years and years he told the story. Oh my goodness, look what Jesus did with my packed lunch. I was raging. He took it off me and blah de blah But boy, I got a good lunch that day. And I was known amongst the people. I was, I was the little boy who had the food. And that story resonated with him for the rest of his life. 
Chantelle and I had the privilege, we were part of Causeway Coast Vineyard Church, just a fantastic church. Many of you have been and visited and been a part of things there. And I can't exactly remember, but they did this offering for the building of which they're in now, when we were still in the old Dunn stores, uh, a building there in the very center of Coleraine. And uh, they did a building campaign because they needed to raise a lot of finance to not only buy the land and the buildings on there, but obviously to build a building on the land suitable for a church. And there was a period of sowing vision and casting vision into the people, which someday we will do. And during that time, um, we were just going before the Lord as, as all the people saying, what are we going to bring? What is our offering? And, uh, and we came and we presented and we went as a family. It wasn't just the two of us, but our three children, very young as they were then. We went to the front of church, the old Dunn stores, and we presented to the Lord our offering. It was a check, and it was a check for a large sum of money that we were giving before the Lord so that his kingdom could advance. Now, we did that, I'm guessing it was in around April or May time, knowing that in June we were leaving the church to return to Carrick Fergus. And there was part of us just a bit like, oh my goodness, we're, we're giving really generously to something that we're not going to be a part of. There was part of me felt like that and thought like that. But at the same time, I knew it was obedience to the Lord that we would do that. And here's the thing. Like the boy in the picnic, do we regret giving that money? Of course we don't. Why? Because personally, we have benefited. Personally, we have been to the church many times for conferences, for leadership training, and just on a, a Sunday that we have off. And why? Because we have met with the Lord personally in that place, in that building. Our children have gone to many things in that church building and met with the Lord. That's personally. So we've already reaped what we've sown personally. We've got the benefit of our investment but that's not the point the point is through that building thousands upon thousands and that's not an exaggeration are ministered to on a weekly monthly yearly basis that come into that place and encounter Jesus through the offering through the generosity of hundreds of people that have sown generously into that like the little boy my goodness isn't it wonderful that we had a part to play in that isn't it wonderful that we were able to give generously so that through what was presented before the Lord we put it into his hands he multiplies it we also learn exactly that that the miracle happened through the hands of the disciples it wasn't like he took five little barley loaves and fish and presented it and said, thank you, Father, for this food. And then suddenly from heaven rained down loads of bread and loads of fish. It was through the hands of the disciples in the groups of 50 that they were sat in. It was like, oh, goodness, have some food. I'll have some more. Have some, have some, have some. I said, Where is this coming from? It just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, and it really happened. 
And it happened through the hands of the disciples. The miracle of Jesus happened through the hands of the disciples. Folks, we are called to great things in this town. We, are, we have been entrusted with much. And we don't say that lightly. We don't hold that lightly. We take that very, very seriously. The Father has entrusted kingdom authority upon us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And with that comes responsibility. Kingdom authority requires kingdom resources. And we, many of us, not all of us, are entrusted with the kingdom resources to meet the kingdom authority. You will remember last week I spoke about um, the prayer that Jesus invited the disciples to pray. He said this. He said, look at the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. Pray for the workers that the Father would send out the workers into the harvest field. He said that, didn't he? Knowing that as they prayed the very prayer of, Lord, send the, send the workers into the harvest, they were actually answering their own prayer. They were the answer to the prayer. And folks, we can pray all day long, and we can dream about a building of our own, as many of us do, and many of us have shared about. But the reality is this, that the kingdom resources required for that are within us. They are within our own hands. Ivan. Okay. And now the exciting part of the morning you've all been waiting for. <laughs> um, talking about money, and uh, hopefully we'll see thousands saved. That's a joke. No? Okay. Um, All right. From this point on, it's really not funny at all. <laughs> um, you'll see a, a quote on the, on the screen there from Joe Biden, who was President Obama's vice president. And by all accounts, the pair of them had a fantastic relationship, if, if what we hear is to be believed. Um, it's a pity he didn't stay on as president, maybe. But um, the quote speaks for itself. And it's a quote that, to be honest, speaks to me, and I hope it speaks to you. Um, just have a look at it there. Don't tell me what you value. Show me what you value. Sorry, show me what you spend your money on, and I'll tell you what you value. Just recently, I've had a bit of a, a change in my life. Not that male menopause thing. That's, that's a long way away yet. But as most of you know, I've just retired from teaching, just retired from being a primary principal. Um, and I've tried to start, I can't sit around and spend the day watching Jeremy Kyle. I, I, I've tried it and I can't do it. So I'm, I'm trying to, to work a little bit in a, in a small way in uh, photography, which has been a passion of mine as long as I can remember, since, since I was a teenager probably. And it's actually been a blessing to now have the opportunity and the time to try to make some more of that. That's my passion. And in order to make that passion have some kind of an impact, I've had to spend some money. I've had to, 
dip into the savings a little bit. You know, I'm a poor pensioner now, you know. Um, but I've had to dip into the savings and I've had to invest in, in some equipment. That's what I keep telling Gail anyway. This is an investment, Gail. Um, and I, my hope is that the equipment that I've spent some money on, and you know, it's, some of it's fairly expensive stuff, to be honest, and I wouldn't have bought it uh, lightly. Um, but my hope is that that will have an impact on the results on my photography. And I'm hoping that some of my photographs will look a lot better because of that. And obviously they look hugely better because of that lens I spent all that money on, Gail. Honestly, they really do. <laughs> we, beans and toast are fine for us. <laughs> um, but the point I'm trying to make is where our passion is, if we follow our passion, the things that we're passionate about, if we put our, not just our money, but our time, our resources, our commitment into those things, then we want to see results. We want to see an impact. And that's what we're about with everything we do financially in the church. Um, it's about having an impact on lives. And we've just heard another story this morning. And as Paul said, there are four or five others who have been impacted by what happens here. I want to go into some of the figures. Now, and I'd, again, I don't want to I don't want to be any more boring than, than I have to be, if you like. But I think it's important that we do have some kind of an understanding of what it costs to run the church, of how much comes in, and then maybe more importantly for you, of how it's spent and how it's used. Um, now, I've not, I've not been told what to say. I've not been given a list of things to get across by Paul or Chantel or by Steve, who looks after the the sort of day-to-day -day financial running of the church. But I want to start by first of all saying thank you uh, on behalf of the board of directors, I suppose. Um, that sounds very grand. It's not really very grand. Something Paul asked me to do just about last January, I think. And I don't do very much in church. You know, I don't contribute very much time-wise or service-wise. So I thought that was something I could do even from my experience in school. And I've enjoyed that very much. And it's given me a bit of an insight into, you know, the, the nitty-gritty uh, of how we manage to do what we do for the kingdom. You may remember Paul spoke to us just before the summer and pointed out that last year, last financial year, which ended in August, had been quite a difficult one for us. And that basically, if you look there, and I've, I've taken the figures down into monthly figures, because I think that's more or less how we all work our finances, um, most of us anyway. And the average monthly income for last year was 11,400. Okay, when we took all that came in and divided it by 12, that was the average income. Uh, and the average monthly expenditure was 13,406. So you can see last year we were running at a loss. I can see some of your eyes glazing over already. And people started talking about figures. But so that was a difficult year. That was a tight year. And there were a number of reasons for that. A, a number of folks, because of changes in their circumstances, felt it was necessary to reduce the amount that they give to the church on, on a monthly basis. And that's all perfectly fine. A number of other folks who had been giving to church decided, you know, I'm not sure this is the right place for me. And they decided to move on. And so there was, a, there was quite a loss quite a drop in income uh, over, the, over the year. But what I want to say, and what I want to suppose to say thank you for is that obviously folks have responded to what Paul said 
and the income has, has improved. And also the folks running things have, have, cut, have cut back a little bit. Budgets have been reduced a little bit. So you can see that the income, uh, and the only month's figures that we have so far are September, but you can see that the income has improved. It's gone up to 12,103 and expenditure's been reduced. So there have been some, some cutbacks, if you like, just like the rest of society. Um, and the expenditure's been reduced to 11,279. If I can just draw your attention to one thing there, uh, you'll see a, a figure in brackets with a little star beside it there. Um, that's the two figures there for average monthly income of uh, 12,103 and then 10,086 are the difference that gift aid makes. So maybe you don't, maybe you've just never thought about it, maybe you've never got around to filling in that little form that means that the money that you're taxed on, you save and you're able to give more to the church. Uh, <coughs> I suppose you're really clawing some of it back from the government. And let's face it, if we can get some money back from the government, that's a good thing. They're only gonna spend it on heating chicken sheds that are empty <laughs> and uh, subsidizing the canteen for MLAs in Stormont so they can take a break from not working. Um, anyway, maybe touching on one of my other passions there, so I better shut up. <laughs> Paul says move on, okay. Um, I want to just look at the third, uh, the third slide there. I've sort of broken our monthly spending down in, into three little bits. All right, it's all, it's all the same. It's not really broken down that way as it's, as it's spent. And by the way, all expenditure is run by, is, you know, cleared by someone on the board of directors, okay? So, the, you know, the folks who are working in the venue can't just decide, that's just, you know, let's change Paul's Mercedes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've broken it down into, into three there, and first of all, our staffing, okay, um, makes up just over half of what is spent on a monthly basis. And I'll, I'll break that down further in a second, but you can see that we're spending 7,000 pounds there on staffing. And that seems like a lot, but I'll explain in a wee while why it's not actually very much. And then the running costs, that's everything that we do here in the college, in the venue buildings, in children's work, in compassion ministries, that's everything, okay? There's a lot going on there. There's an awful lot done for 4,800 pounds a month, folks, believe me. I don't have time to go into details about that, but do talk to the folks who are involved in those things. You're, you're sort of hearing about some of it this morning there and so on. Um, and then the little bit at the bottom talks about partners, and that's purely and simply money that we give away every month that's not used in Carrick Vineyard Ministries, okay? And that's organizations like Stand By Me, Pregnancy Services. We give a certain amount every month to Vineyard UK, but we get far more back from that than we give. Um, and all of those things, what I really want to say is that all of those areas of spending are about impacting lives. You know, it's about meeting people, it's about conversations, it's about teaching. It's about ministry to schools. Uh, it's about the organization and administration of all that happens in the church. There's a huge amount going on, and it needs to be organized. It needs to be planned. It needs to be followed, followed up. 
Wouldn't it be fantastic if the next time someone came along with a vision from God, with an idea, like, for example, Caroline did a while ago, uh, where God spoke to her about providing school bags for needy kids at the start of term. We were able to do that because we're, we're using the finance that we have, and that's what it's all about. It's about having an impact. Sorry? Time's away. Okay. Very, very quickly, just to focus on staffing. The question we always ask ourselves, are we getting value for money? You'll see down the left-hand side the, the staff hours that are worked. Or sorry, the staff hours that are paid comes to 511 hours a month. And the staff hours that are actually worked. You can see there's quite a difference there. And again, there are many folks in the church who put a lot of time in who are not paid. But it's good to know that our paid folks are doing the same. They're doing above and beyond what they're paid for. And believe me, I know this, they're not paid very much. I know how much teachers are paid. And these folks are not paid very well in comparison to teachers. I mean, Alan Grant there is loaded, you know. <laughs> you know, in, uh, in school, uh, sorry, we've got, we've got guidelines from Vineyard UK as well. Uh, and they would, they would suggest that in, in a church our size, that just over 50%, 50 to 55% of our income should be spent on staffing. And ours falls just exactly in there. In school, I had a budget of 1.8 million. And 80%, just over 80% of that went on staffing. My previous school was a bit smaller. And 96% of our budget went on staffing. So, you know, we're actually doing pretty well. And let me very, very quickly break that down a little bit further. If I, and I just did a bit of thinking there on Friday morning. If I was to cost out a principal, that would be Chantel, um, and a vice principal, and a f one full-time teacher, and two part-time teachers. That's roughly equivalent to the hours that our staff work here. It would cost me 19659 a month. That, that's not just salary, that's employer costs, national insurance, pension contributions, all that sort of stuff. We're getting the same sort of hours and the same sort of workload for £7,000 a month. So we're getting good value, folks, from our staff. Finally, just that little story from the talents there. Um, the three people who were given amounts and then the master came back and either praised or criticized them. Um, for how they used what they were given, okay? How, the question is simply, how are we using what we've been given? I, I know Brian's going to talk about it in a more personal way in a second. We're a family in Carrick Vineyard, and in a family, it's very, very easy to be critical of each other, to, to snap at each other. To, I mean, it never happens in our family, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's very easy to do that. It's, it's the natural thing to do. But you know what? Let's not do that. Let's stand together. Let's be passionate about what we do in our church. Let's be passionate about the impact that's being made for the kingdom. And let's put our money where our passion is. I have to say, Gail and I have been coming to the church for about four years now, just at the end of November. We love the place. We love Carrick Vineyard. We love the people here. We've been supported through different, different difficult circumstances at times. And we want to put some of our money into what goes on here because we're seeing an impact. We've seen an impact in our own lives. We've seen an impact in our grandchildren's lives particularly over the last couple of years.
as Paul said earlier to us, talking to the little boy, God wants us to be part of the story. And we can do that by using what he's given to us. Thank you. With the exception of your political references, that was brilliant. Cheers, Paul. Thank you. Um, hi, I'm Brian, and I'm a youth worker, so or something like that. I do lots of jobs, and I get to talk about the tough stuff. Like I can stand in a room with people who have been terrorists and bombers, talking to victims of people who were killed in that bomb, um, and really difficult conversations. And this is the toughest one to talk about money. Um, and Paul said to me a few weeks ago, Brian, talk about some money and your story, and I'm like, no, um, I don't really think I want to, and it's not easy. So are you sure it's about me feeling awkward? And he says, no, sure, a little bit. So here's the proviso. This is my story and Jude's story. Um, this is not about me saying this is what you should do. Um, this is just saying what journey I've been on. Um, working class background, um, and this is the short version, I know we're tight in time. Um, dad was disabled, so my dad's got one leg. It's amputated below the knee, and uh, you wouldn't know. He went and had a, a normal job, um, worked twice as hard as other men, got the same money, worked six days a week, 12-hour shifts, all that sort of stuff. Was, and he's my hero. And money was a thing where you kept a tight hold on it. You didn't just throw it about. I wanted for nothing growing up. Um, myself and my brother, um, we brought up in a working-class family, and we were well off. Um, and because we didn't know if people were going to get sick, you had to keep the bills down. And debt wasn't the thing that we played with much. Um, and then there was always the couple of pounds to this and the couple of pounds to that was how we, how we um, when we went to church, we had our little envelopes and our bits and pieces. And it wasn't, we didn't have a lot of money, and we, but we still gave. Um, when Jude and I got married, even before that, um, I had decided a long time ago, I'm going to be a generous person. I have been a receipt of huge generosity. Um, people who weren't that close to me, being hugely generous with their time, with their investment, with their money. And, and that was a trait that I wanted to emulate. Um, I want to do what I see the Father doing. I want to do what I see God doing. And I see him continually being generous to me and my family and my children. Um, and I want to be that person. Um, I'm just getting emotional because I'm thinking about it at the times when God has stepped in. Um, money, it's not it's no problem for me. Um, we live quite modest lives. Um, and we try to do the right thing with our boys, who are extremely generous. Um, and we've got the bills the same as everybody else. Um, and I, I want to be the person who wants to support people who are doing a mission trip. I want to give them the support they need of, yes, I'll pray for you. But if I'm invested in you, um, investment bankers don't make their trade out of saying nice things about the companies they work for. They invest their money in it. And I want to be the person that meets a need. And sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's prayer. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's the thing. Um, you need this. Here's the object you need. Take it. Borrow it. Take it away. Keep it. Um, and I want to be the person who's generous with that because I have been the person who has received. We have been the family who has received that generosity. Um, Jude is passionate about early years. And a few, um, when she went off and had her second boy, Reuben, she's like, I really want to invest in my kids in those early years. Um, and she's a teacher, and she's like, but I'm working here, how can we manage this? And so Jude decided to set up her own business. We both work full-time, we both have a business now, but Jude took a career break, and 
I said, how can we work out these finances? I believe I want to spend my time investing in my kids, which would be really good. I agreed. I went, it's a great idea. You just want to stop working? Good. How's that going to work? Um, yeah, we'll just take a salary out and go and look after it. But how to make ends meet? So I had to be realistic and say, how do we do this? So Jude started the business. Um, and we took a, a big cut in income. And it happened to be that the guy who gives the mortgage phoned me up at that month and said, Brian, um, I done your mortgage two years ago and it's coming around for renewal. Do you mind if I requote? And I'm like, um, yeah, it sounds great. Here we go. <laughs> um, and then he says, right, I've just come back and done some sums. That's this much less per month that you're going to be paying out. Got a letter from the car saying, your car's finally all paid off. No more payments for the car to go out. And these things started coming in. So we made the choice of, I think this is right for our family. I think this is a good thing. And we said, right, let's do this. God came around with a, maybe it's coincidence. I don't believe it is. With, here's your mortgage, drop an X number of pounds a month. Here's your car being paid off. Here's this. And I believe that was our receipt of our investment. Now, it doesn't work as a case of, I do this to get paid back. I do this because it's right. I do this is because of the thing that God's called us to do. Um, and I'm happy to be a generous person, but I'm not, I don't like being the person standing up the front to say I'm a generous person. You know, I'm also quite modest and handsome and all those other things. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's honest to say I want to be generous. Our family has been generous and we're trying to instill generosity in our boys because we have been the people and received that generosity from others, but ultimately from God who has given us so much. And the way we do it is at the start of every month, we stick the money straight into the church bank account because I'm weak. See, when it comes to putting money in a box or filling the forms and doing all this, I am awful. I need this three times, four times, Steve, is the average people need to get forms from you to fill a gift. I, I'm awful. So it's just simplest way, take it out at the start of the month. And you know what? That's a small amount. I get to keep the rest, which is a different way to look at it. I used to dream about what you would do that game of what do you do when you won the lottery? I dreamt about that. Now, not if, isn't that nice? I obsessively fixated on what would you do when you won the lottery. And it wasn't healthy. I went to bed at nights and I was going, if I had a million, what car? How much does that work? And then, and you know what? It destroyed who I was. Not because it was a game of, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Thinking about all the things. Because I moved to a person who wanted, a person who was in receipt of all these things. Give me the money and I can spend it on whatever. Supposed to be a person of, I have been blessed with this money. How can I choose to give it? And Jude, bless her, called me on it. And I'm like, wise up. As when your wife calls you and the things know they're really real. And she niggled me and got me. She got me right real and close with it and said, Brian, is that, is that you? And I'm going, it's not. I am not the person that should be dreaming about how do I upgrade my car, my computer, my this, my that, and the other thing. All those bills need paid. But that obsessively compulsion on how would I spend this money? destroyed who I was because it put me in the place of I need more, I need more, I need to have this, I'm a product of consumerism, I'm not. I'm a person who has been extremely blessed financially by time and people and I want to be a person that gives that away. That's my story. Just Brilliant. So one in seven words that Jesus spoke was about possessions and money. Why? Because of the hold that it has on people. And the reality of Brian and Jude's story and many of our stories is this. When we become generous with what the Father has given us already, it actually relinquishes the hold that it has upon us and frees us up of, are we going to have enough or 
I won't really want that car. I really want to be able to do this and do that. It just frees us up of all of those things. So there you go. Um, as much as possible, we've tried to be honest. Well, I hope we've been totally honest, <laughs> actually. I think I will say this is we prayed before that we would deliver this in such a way as it's not man's agenda or man's drive. It is difficult to communicate on and get right from a really good posture and a really good heart's posture. But there you go. We, we've done our best with that. And, uh, and over to you and over to... Uh, many other people that are a part of our church community go before the Lord and see what he says and uh, if he's speaking to you in that area and you're wanting to increase what you give or start giving consistently then uh, Steve Fugard is really going to want to have a conversation with you so please go there if you're our guest here this morning my apologies that you had to sit through that it's very much a home thing but if you are part of another church, then I'd, uh, the same message is for you for your home church. So uh, just leave that with you. Let's pray together and then we're well done. God, thank you that you have given us more than what we need. And uh, we pray that we'd be known as a generous people. Oh, that's the church that does this. That's the church that if you need, they have uh, what we can get. That we would sow generously and that we would reap a harvest because we have been generous with what you've been so generous to us about.